Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we start today's podcast, a quick heads up on Sherlock's VIP club. From restaurants, bars and hotels to beauty, wellness and shopping, Sherlock's partners with some of London's best destinations and hottest brands to bring its VIPs exclusive monthly offers. So why not sign up? It'll cost you just £5 a month or £50 for the year. Use your card once or twice and you'll have made that amount back in no time. For more information, visit sherlocksvip.com. Leaving a graduate job in advertising to work in a pub and live with your mother doesn't sound like an obvious start for success. But that's exactly what Cassandra Stavrou, co-founder of Propercorn, did. Spotting a gap in the market for healthy yet tasty popcorn, Cassandra launched her business in 2011. Today, it's a brand now synonymous with exotic flavours and standout packaging. With a team of 40, a business turning over over £13 million a year and sales of 3 million popcorn bags a month. Cassandra, welcome to your Sherlock's success story. Thanks for having me. So let's start at the beginning. You were pretty young when you started the business, but what was your history before advertising? Yeah, I went to uni. What did you read at uni? uh, Law. It was a choice between uh, fine art, which I was really passionate about, or law, which I think coming from a Greek family, it was sort of a good degree to do. And I reluctantly did law and then regretted it as soon as I started. (laughs) And actually, it's probably one of the only regrets I have is not sort of following my passion and and studying art. Yeah, people say it's quite a dry one. It is. Well, it was at the time of sort of Ali McBeal, which I'm not sure everyone will remember, but I had these sort of grand ideas that I'd be sort of, you know, debating and getting really impassioned about things. And it's very much just learn the minority report, the majority report, and lots of time in the library, which I was never very good at. (laughs) And you read law where? Bristol. And so you left Bristol after three years. And what did you do then? Before university, I had already decided I wanted to start my own business. And I think to a certain extent, we are all entrepreneurs, but I never saw myself working for someone else. And I think it was just a question of finding the right idea that I had enough passion for and conviction behind to kind of quit my job and give it a go. And so I got the job, very junior, entry-level account assistant at BBH, which is an amazing ad agency in Soho. And in lots of ways, it was a great entry to the world of work. You learn process and structure. And how soon did you come up with the idea of popcorn? And how did you come up with the idea of popcorn? So every day at three o'clock, someone would go after lunch and get either a chocolate bar and feel really guilty about it or go and get a rice cake and feel really dissatisfied. And I felt there was a real opportunity to create a snack that's full of flavour but, you know, didn't leave you feeling guilty, but happened to be healthier for you than what was out there. And I just thought popcorn was such an amazing snack to do it with because everyone understands it. We've all grown up eating popcorn in various guises, but it was about reimagining it in a more, I guess, interesting way. You said that you always wanted to have your own business. And we often talk about businesses mm. like Sofa.com that took mm. a really simple thing like a sofa and made it cool. 
essentially a bit like goopids. You did that to popcorn. Do you think you were looking for that category disruptor and it happened to be popcorn? I mean, if only it was as strategic as that. It was a case of spotting an opportunity in the market, really feeling that the timing was right for it in terms of, you know, healthy snacking was growing. And then a little bit of serendipity in that my father died when I was 16. And so when I told my mum about the idea, she reminded me that the last present he had bought me was a popcorn machine. And I guess it was a nice sign. It gave me the confidence to go for this idea rather than, you know, some of the others. And it was as simple as that, really. It was the coming together of a few things that gave me the confidence to quit my job. And I really, you know, quite naively quit my job within a matter of days, moved back home, had absolutely no idea what I was doing. To some extent, still don't. But you just crack on, you blag it, get the various wheels in motion across the business and at leap of faith, to be honest. And had you had entrepreneurial role models in your life up until that point? Do you think there are qualities in you that meant you were always going to do this? Well, on reflection, definitely. I mean, my dad always worked for himself and my mum was quite entrepreneurial as well. You know, coming from an immigrant family, I think there's that sort of mentality of, you know, setting up your own business. And then even at university, sort of week three, I was hating my degree spotted an opportunity to start up a club night and throughout my degree I was running student events three times a week. Was that because you wanted to earn your own money or was it because you wanted to be busy or was it because you were bored or it got you first in the club? What do you think has actually motivated you? I think it's a combination of being opportunistic, you know, not being afraid of taking risk and being quite motivated by the idea of taking an idea and turning it into something tangible and that's always been something that's kind of driven me. So you moved home to save money. Did you have a goal in terms of the amount of money you wanted to save? No, I think, as I said, you just have to get the various bits of the business going. So that is across the board from registering your company, taught myself how to sort of do trademarking, creating recipes, trying to start design the brand a little bit, finding a manufacturer. What did you do next? Did you literally go into your mum's kitchen and cook popcorn? And how did you come up with healthy popcorn? Because notoriously, it's not that healthy. It's not that low fat. It's covered in oil. It completely depends on how you make it. So it's a whole grain, it's gluten-free. Naturally, it's a very healthy grain for you to eat. It's just how you then kind of pop it and season it. So we pop it in uh, rapeseed oil and then only natural ingredients and seasonings. It's low calorie, it's completely natural and full of quality ingredients. And so did you have a name at that point? What were you doing? Were you literally knocking on the door of a factory saying, I want to make a healthy popcorn brand? There isn't this kind of recipe that you follow when you start a business. You are just trying to find the best way to get to the endpoint that you've got in your mind. And I think the hardest thing to do is to find a manufacturer. So it typically is a very male-dominated industry. It tends to be kind of big, burly men in industrial estates up and down the country. And to try and get someone to take you seriously when you're, you know, young girl, no proven track record, you sort of knock on the door and it's, you know, very firmly kind of lots of no's and closed doors in your face. And so that was probably the biggest hurdle 
hurdle in the first year or so was to try and get someone to give me a break. And because it was so challenging, you then have to be really resourceful. And so I couldn't find anyone to season the popcorn in the way that I wanted it to be seasoned. So got a cement mixer, which I thought, okay, I need some way of tumbling the popcorn. So I got a cement mixer, lined it with steel. You did this, you got a cement mixer. Yeah, yeah. And where did you it's, get your cement mixer from? Just online. And then was watching Top Gear and I needed a way of really finely kind of misting the corn in oil to get the seasonings to stick. But I wanted it to be a really, really fine coating. To, you needed a one cow yeah, spray. Yeah, exactly, you? I exactly, love a one cow exactly. spray. <laughs> An industrial one cow spray. Essentially is what I was looking for. And I was watching Top Gear and the way that you spray paint cars, it's like the finest mist that you can get. And so I ordered a car spraying kit online that arrived and it was me with a car spraying kit a cement mixer and that's how the first samples were made does Jeremy Carson um, know that you no he, he doesn't proper corn. I think you should send him a lifetime supply of proper corn with I, a I think handwritten he, note I think he should send me a lifetime supply of cars so you got your cement mixer and it works what I didn't realise at the time was this kind of mist of oil was coming out the back and my mum came home and the entire downstairs of our house basically had a film of oil so much so that she had to get the house repainted so there's a whole um, she's laughing about it now but she yeah, wasn't she, at she's the time. fine now yeah so it worked and you what then went to the factory and said this is how I want you to do it yeah and you know so then it's kind of just months and months of development trying to refine recipes trying to get to the perfect balance of impact of flavor health all, all the rest of it and it takes a while but you know you get to your kind of final recipes and then it's about taking them to the trade and trying to get your first listings And did you have any experience of nutrition or the food industry? Have you always been interested in healthy snacks or is it as random as you make it sound? No, it's totally as random as I make it sound. You know, I wouldn't say I've got any kind of like background or specialism in food or nutrition, but what I'm driven by is creating amazing snacks that satisfy people and build a business that is a brilliant place to work. That's what I'm excited by. And what did the popcorn industry look like at the time? And we'll come on to some of your competition, but... Were there any other sort of posh popcorn brands around? So when I had the idea, none of them had launched. And often what happens when kind of you get this sort of category boom is that the trends are there and, you know, two or three people at a similar time spot those trends. And that then creates a bit of a tipping point. And I think a similar thing happened with popcorn in that played into a lot of the trends in terms of gluten-free, natural, Mm -hmm. healthier snacking. They were all starting to come through. I guess being on my own, it took a lot longer than I thought it would to get the business off the ground. And a few months before we were gearing up to launch, two major competitors entered the market. And I remember the day so vividly, you know, went home in floods of tears. And who were they? Tyrrells and Metcalfs and, you know, Julian Metcalf, an incredible entrepreneur, started Pratt. Tyrrells, you know, a multi-million pound crisp brand. So, you know, really were up against some major industry players. But this is, you know, advice that I give to anyone time and time again is it's the best thing that could have happened because it creates a marketplace mm-hmm. it puts popcorn on the map it means that the bigger retailers are far more likely to take you seriously and then it's our job to make sure that we're delivering the best product the best brand best recipes yeah 
And so, yeah, I didn't know at the time, but it really was a blessing that they'd entered the market. Sure. And you mentioned recipes. How many flavours did you launch with? We launched with four. So it was lightly sea salted and sweet and salty. So the classics and then sour cream and black pepper and then fiery Worcester sauce and sun-dried tomato. The fiery Worcester sauce is still my favourite. Love that one. Yeah. And do you think you needed to have more than two to launch? Like, Do you think if someone's starting a food business, it's important there's that much of a selection? Would two have been enough? Yes, you need a range for a few reasons. I think firstly, you want that visibility in store. And so the kind of the more flavours you can have, the more you're going to stand out on the shelf, which is so important. Secondly, one of the biggest challenges we were facing was to sort of drag popcorn out of the cinema and into a kind of more healthy everyday snack and so having some kind of more crisp snack-like flavors helped to reposition it so that was good and I think it's good to have choice. Tell me how did you get to the point of launching like what was the process so you worked out how it was going to be made you found a factory to make it you showed them your cement mixer technique At what point did the name come and the branding come? What was your first point of sale? So in terms of the branding, I always knew that first I have a passion for design and creativity. And so I always wanted the packaging to be as beautiful as possible. And I managed to save about £10,000 through various jobs, dog walking, working in a pub, evenings and weekends. I mean, pretty much anything that was flexible and allowed me to focus on the business during the day. And And what was that £10,000 for? So yeah, £10,000 was the amount identified that we needed just to kind of get the ball rolling, essentially. And 6000 of that I decided to spend with a packaging designer because I knew how important it was to get it right. Very, very talented designer, did an incredible job, you know, for all intents and purposes, but it just didn't feel right. And, you know, getting closer and closer to launching and it's something just didn't feel right about the packaging and decided essentially to kind of start completely from scratch. Drew the designs on PowerPoint, got my friend who's an illustrator to sort of do the illustrations at the bottom. We cobbled it together. I think it's a really important thing that you, A, stay as authentic as possible when you're starting a business, that it feels right and it feels true to kind of your vision. And secondly, this idea of sunk cost fallacy and that you can spend all this money and think that, right, I've committed, I'm sort of 70% along, I have to sort of see it through. But if it doesn't feel right and there's a strong instinct telling you otherwise, I would always urge someone to listen to that gut feeling. And actually it was, you know, one of the best decisions because we're really known for our packaging Mm. and we really did lead the way in our category. Gosh, brave decision, (laughs) brave decision. So you've got your branding, your packaging done, you had the product. How were you going to sell it when you launched So I then brought a business partner along, Ryan. So tell us about Ryan and how he got involved in the business. I was really lucky enough to be introduced to Richard Reed, who's one of the innocent founders, really generous with his time. And he could see that I was just starting to feel quite lonely, quite stale in some way, excuse the popcorn pun. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, you don't need to do this on your own and like know your limitations and maybe where you can, you know, bring someone on who can kind of compliment you. And Ryan and I have been friends for a long time. I used to go out with his best mate we're all friends now so it's all good and he was at a point in his career that he was looking to get involved in something and we decided you know let's join forces and we launched the business together seven years ago now what was his background 
he's always been very entrepreneurial as well you know a huge amount of energy and enthusiasm and also kind of you know has big ambitions and I think it wasn't necessarily you know a specific skill set or training that he had I think we just really complemented each other in terms of working together and when you start a business it just needs real energy and momentum and getting that momentum going is so hard you know anyone who knows me well knows that I'm certainly not risk averse and very bold in my decision making so it's more about having someone there to I guess share the load be accountable to each other be able to pick each other up when you know when times are tough and it really is tough at the beginning you know Mm. mentally if not you know anything else and so it was more about just you know having someone there and how did you sell it on day one so you had a great product what was your first point of sale? Well, we just knew that, you know, our first year, and when we're still doing it today, was to just be salespeople, you know, and that really did mean kind of leaving no stone unturned, cold calling, knocking on doors, turning up unannounced, you know, whatever it took to get our popcorn seen by the decision makers of shops and major retailers. And who were the uh, first major retailers? So Google was our first customer, which was an amazing. Ama- yeah, which was, mean, uh, yeah, it was an a dream. Right? How did that happen? So a friend worked at Google, and so I knew it'd be a you know a brilliant place for us to just get that visibility, credibility that it was you know Google, and get taken seriously by the rest of the industry. And so you need someone to take that first punt on you. We managed to sort of get an amazing statistics out of forty eight snacks. We were their fastest moving. And so we're able to take that and essentially tart it around the industry. And off the back of that, got lots and lots more orders. And then we got Waitrose and Tesco's within our first year, which we'd envisaged them in year two. And so we really got off to a flying start, which was amazing. Incredible. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And had you had any investment at this point? Yeah, so we got some C capital from Ryan's family. And then after our first six months, got some investment from two kind of private individuals. And that was it for the first six years. And you launched in 2011. What was the hardest thing then when you look back now? When you start a business, you wear every single hat in the business. So from operations to sales to marketing to 
internal, whatever it requires, you know, you, you kind of have to wear those hats. And so I think it's just the sheer volume and pace that's quite challenging. And that's why actually working with my best friend, doing it together was so valuable. I mean, it is still valuable, but so valuable in those first kind of couple of years, especially. And how quickly before you launched other flavours? So you launched with those four. How many flavours are there today? So there's eight. We've just launched chocolate. Um, Pretty good. Yeah, which I'm very excited (laughs) about. So were we when it arrived? Yeah, I mean, that that was such a labour of love. We're trying to find a good enough cocoa powder that delivers that chocolatey feel, but also keeping the kind of calories and the fat content, everything else really low. But after two years, in development we finally launched it about a month ago now and it's doing really well which we're excited about and of all your flavors what accounts for the biggest amount of sales for the business I think people are less adventurous than they think they are, um, which is something that we really know in, in their snacking. So, you know, the, the other flavours do really well, but sweet and salty will always forever be the kind of firm favourite. And that's kind of across the board. Like whatever industry you look at, there's always the kind of more classic one that outperforms everything else. The 80-20 rule. Yeah, exactly. And how long before you started to make a profit in the business? So when you are a fast moving business, you know, you prioritize kind of growth over profit. And so any profit that we have been making, we've always reinvested back into the business, whether that be growing the team, investing in innovation, international expansion. And so for us, you know, we're not focused on profit at the moment. And you've got a team of almost 40 employees. But who was your first recruit? Alex Petridis. He was amazing. He came as a kind of intern and we then didn't let him leave. And he stayed with us until about a year ago to launch his own business called All Plants, which is a vegan fast food delivery service. And something we're really proud of, actually, that the first six people that left Proper Corn pretty much all went on to start their own businesses. So we've got this incredible alumni. And that's something that we're really proud of and something that we want to continue to be about that you know, people can come contribute for whatever part of their journey they feel is right. You know, we're never going to take it personally if people then kind of have enough confidence to do their own thing or decide that they want to follow a different Mm. path. But yeah, I agree. I'm always really pleased with people who have worked for me that have gone on to achieve. Yeah, it's amazing. I like to think you were, you know, you inspired them a little bit, maybe. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. And if we had any part to play in that kind of next chapter for them, then that's amazing and something that we continue to want to do. And would you say you're a modern employer? I mean, do you run the business? Do you do flexi working? Do you offer things that you think particularly appeal to millennials, say? Or is it just that brand appeals to them? It's about what are the values you hold as a business. And so we really believe in this idea of work-life balance and that kind of life starts after work is just completely madness. And, you know, so much of your time is in the office that Mm. you should come to work and feel inspired and have fun Mm. and learn and you know it's not just about sort of your nine to five and then your life starts so we've set the company up in a way that hopefully supports that perspective and you've said before in an interview that you hire for attitude rather than experience what does that mean and when you interview somebody what do you want cartwheels yeah what are you looking for 
It's about being able to be self-motivated. You know, when your business is growing really quickly, you can't hold people's hands. You need people in your team who can spot the opportunity for themselves and then kind of bring it to life themselves. And so people who are really self-motivated, probably one of the main skills that we look for is creativity. And what I mean by creativity isn't kind of the ability to choose kind of what tone of red on a packaging. It's about being able to think differently, think creatively. So being able to be faced with challenges and overcome them and actually kind of turn a problem into a sort of a bigger opportunity. It's that mindset that we actively look for and are excited by bringing into the business. And you've made some quite big hires recently. I was interested that you mentioned Tyrrell's earlier and you now employ former MD of Tyrrell's as your CEO. That must have felt like a pretty pivotal moment for the business, quite a satisfying moment, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I think the way I best describe it is that we've almost gone through puberty. That year where you're sort of figuring out who you are, what you're about, you need to sort of mature a little bit as a business. And so we spent last year professionalising the business, just getting ready to gear up for that next chapter Part of that was also bringing in someone like Mike who does have that experience. He's seen what big looks like and can hopefully bring some of that into to our company. How's that been for you? So what's your role in the business today now that he's your CEO? So Ryan and I are still as committed and as dedicated as we ever have been. And actually bringing Mike in hasn't really changed our kind of day-to-day roles so much. It just creates a little bit more space for us to think more future-facing. Mm. So I think one of the challenges when you're running a company is that you end up firefighting and reacting Mm. to the day-to-day and what's so important is that you carve out time to think about the bigger picture think about innovation you know where are we heading and so uh, I guess bringing in someone like Mike has allowed a little bit more space for us to do that. And in such a crowded marketplace how else do you differentiate and stay ahead of your competitors? Do you worry about your competitors? When it comes to competitors, we have two rules in our business. One is never speak badly about your competitors. Just, you know, focus on what you're good at. And it's so important that we stand by that. And secondly, don't focus on your competitors too much. I think the danger when you're looking to your left and your right the whole time is that everyone starts to behave and look the same. So you're far more likely to find us talking about you know, what's happening in health and beauty, what's happening in art and fashion, in tech, and be inspired by that and let that inform our behaviour than sort of just focusing on the category. And we're never going to stay ahead if we just sort of look in our sort of little circle. You've just relaunched with new packaging. And I think you've been through three design phases since you initially launched. Is that something you feel like you need to do to stay ahead? Or is that because the product's changed? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if you're going to stay relevant and reflect kind of what's happening at the time, then you need to stay a bit restless as a brand. And I think the first time we sort of evolved our packaging, you know, it was like, oh God, we need to get it perfect this time so that that's it. And actually now I'm sort of, you know, a basic managed internal expectation that we're just going to probably continually evolve and that's okay and that just means that we are a restless brand that wants to keep creating and trying new things and this particular brand evolution was about giving a platform to young artists so we commissioned eight up-and-coming illustrators that we thought paired with each flavor we got them to design the bottom of the pack and then we've also put their names on every packet so something 
that we want to continue to do as a brand is be a platform for young creatives. We're selling three million packs a month. What a brilliant canvas to sort of put art on and then use Mm. it as a platform for up and coming talent. Clever PR as well. Is it hard to get people to keep talking about popcorn? I think often people get obsessed with sort of, you know, how many followers have you got on Instagram and how many likes and what's our engagement rate. And, you know, yes, those are all useful tools, but it's so much more important to just focus on delivering amazing products that people want to eat and, you know, Mm. part with their money for. And I think so often brands can get caught up in their own hype and it's Mm. not about that it's just we continually need to just make sure we're delivering the best snacks good advice you raised quite a considerable amount of money through piper private equity who have invested in some of the uk's most exciting businesses including monica vinader yes yeah that's right and a number of others how did you know it was the right time to get them on board was that an easy process Well, so everyone always says the right time is slightly ahead of when you think you'll need it because the process of raising finance does invariably take a lot longer and actually takes you out of the business as Mm. well. Things never play out like that. I think what's lucky about Propercorn is that because of the visibility of the brand over time, we had attracted some amazing potential investors. And then it's about being able to look past the cash and really think about what's the added value. You know, do they share the same vision as us? Is there trust? You know, it's so important that there's a really great mutual relationship there. And also, you know, what's the ambition? What's the added value? The network, whatever it may be that's important for your company what's the kind of the added value that they can offer and they invested alongside jam jar who are the three innocent founders mm-hmm. and so there's you know bags of relevant experience there as well amazing yeah. i mean what more could you want jam jar and piper exactly you know piper really understand consumer brands mm. they really understand i guess the equity that you build in a brand and then jam jar you know the boys are amazing adam ballon is our chairman we all adore him and he's been there on a personal level and so actually just in terms of kind of emotional support Mm. as well it's just brilliant to be able to pick up the phone to him and have you noticed a difference in the business since private equity came on board I think probably less than you would imagine because what was so important was I guess partnering with people who still allowed us to just crack on and run Mm. our business in the way that we wanted to run it and so we didn't want to bring about loads of change or become really corporate or Mm. formal and so that was so important that we protected the kind of culture that we had spent so long creating. I guess when it's all going so well they're happy to let you get on with it. Um, I know you've (laughs) just moved into the children's food market as well with kids corn is that very different? Yeah, I think, you know, you parents are obviously, you know, the kind of the gatekeepers of, of their children's snacks. And so you just have to be so confident that you are offering something that is genuinely ticking the boxes for them in terms of something they can trust. And so just ensuring that we're as healthy as possible. Is the children's food market a harder market than adults? No, I think, you know, people are just discerning when they're parting with their money, rightfully so. And so you just have to make sure that you continually offer, you know, great quality, brilliant flavours, great packaging. You know, the same rules apply. And where do you come up with all your new flavour combinations? I mean, you're talking to the biggest fan of peanut butter and almond. So where did you come up with the idea for peanut butter and almond? Any flavour, you know, the idea can come from anywhere. That one in particular noticed the kind of nut butter trend was fast approaching and just 
just thought, you know, wouldn't it be amazing to kind of marry the two? Well, honestly, if I could only snack on one thing for the rest of my days, I think that would be up there. That can be arranged. Uh, thank you. Love to. I'll take you off on that offer. And are there any flavour combinations that haven't worked? Are there any you've discontinued? Are you very kind of commercial about it? I think it's really important that as a young business, we're really open about our kind of failures as well as our successes. Mm. So we had this great idea, the product called Crunch Corn. It was half popped popcorn, really crunchy texture, kind of, I guess, nut-free alternative to nuts. I had all these kind of grand plans for it. I thought it would, you know... Change the world. Change the world, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it really didn't kind of deliver what we anticipated it would. I think, you know, people didn't quite understand what it was. It was a whole new category. And it was a very costly decision to sort of remove it from the shelves, but it was absolutely the right decision. We're never going to try and flog something that you know people aren't responding well to and so we decided to pull it from the market we're very open about it you know I think if you want to be an innovative brand you have to basically sign up the fact there's going to be a few mistakes along the way and And deal with them and get on and and just just keep trying and what's your favorite flavor it kind of depends on my mood I mean at the moment because it's new chocolate and what's your long-term plan for the business to sell it can you imagine life without it We certainly aren't short of ideas and there's so much more that we want to do in terms of global expansion, in terms of new products, in terms of charity. So, you know, something that both Ryan and I are really motivated by is creating a company that's able to, you know, truly give back. And I think there's so much more that we want to focus on that we're not really thinking further ahead than that. And you are one of the biggest selling snack brands in Europe. I mean, phenomenal. (laughs) Thank you. Are you in the US yet? No, we're not. Oh God, the US. I mean, does that terrify you? It doesn't terrify me. It's just not a small decision. It requires a lot of investment. You know, popcorn is so established in America that, you know, whatever we do, we want to be sure that we are definitely offering something different and new and interesting. And so I'd want to feel really confident that we had something truly differentiated to offer to the US market it's definitely something that we consider and we talk about a lot whether it's the US or Asia you know we definitely have our sights set on further afield from Europe and why have you nailed Europe why is a British popcorn brand been so successful in Europe Well, I think, you know, export is, it's a really tricky thing to get right. And I think we've had varying degrees of success in markets. And I think a lot of that is dictated by, you know, is their snacking behavior the same as ours? Do you have the right distribution partner? You know, there's lots of things that you need to get right. And we've developed a set of criteria now on how we assess how suitable a market is. I wish we'd known that five years ago. You know, there's been markets that we've entered into that we've had to pull out of. Mm. But then, you know, markets like Holland and Germany, and Ireland we are really thriving in so and what about you yourself are you an entrepreneur overflowing with ideas do you have other business ideas yeah I mean all all the time I think everyone does my time is very much taken up with proper corn for the time being something that you know we, we love to do is mentor so twice a week we will have a mentor slot where we kind of give advice whatever we can to other young startups in all industries so that's something that we'll continue to want to do you famously won the verve clico next generation businesswoman of the year awards god that's a mouthful (laughs) i think i got it right in 2016 yeah did that change things for you 
it's a wonderful feeling to get that recognition but that's all it is you know my satisfaction comes from like the team and kind of and growing selling three and, million bags um, of proper corn a month I mean me and my boyfriend got to go to the chateau in France and christen my own vine with champagne and I think in like 10 years time I get the bottle uh, which Pretty was cool. yeah such an amazing experience Pretty cool, not to be knocked and what do you think the qualities are that you have that won you that award other than all those bags of popcorn you've managed to flog all over Europe I think it's probably what we were speaking about before is being resourceful thinking creatively and I really do mean that in the broader sense and I think empathy in business is really important that you are able to put yourself in the shoes of either your team or the people buying your products or the people you're trying to sell to and not just think about it from a me perspective I think that in business is a bit of a you know secret weapon and what advice would you give to any budding entrepreneurs listening I think it would be to start as I said we all have ideas and the difference between that and a business is you know actually getting up off the chair and starting you know execution is everything you know the idea is only 10% and all big businesses at one point started off as a small business and so I would encourage to get going get on and do it Cassandra thank you so much and hand on my heart <laughs> I am one of Propercorn's biggest fans in fact I dread to think how much Propercorn this office consumes a week where a do you number. buy them from I'll look at the sales day to see if there's like a little spike an anomaly on, on, the, on that Wondsworth on yeah. Waitrose okay, I'll, anyway. I'll check it out <laughs> I will be very excited to see what comes next thank, thank you, you so much. much huge congratulations on creating such an incredible brand and uh, I have loved chatting to you thank you so much for having me that's it for this week if you enjoyed that then do please rate review subscribe and tell your friends we'll see you next time bye-bye planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.